Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 59. We are extremely excited to have Dr. Phil Chavez join us in the pub where he's going to talk about building a character of a godly man. Welcome to the pub. We are extremely excited to welcome Dr. Philip Chavez to the pub. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. It's good to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Well, I was hoping to, as I was driving today in minus 28 Celsius that maybe some of that warm air from down your way could come up this way. So Yeah, I think here, well, I'm in a little bit colder area of California. You know, it snows in half of California. Do you realize that? So Yes, yes. I, I, I'm not always warm and cozy. So Yeah, I think yeah you've, got, you've got the north and you've got the mountains as well. Yeah, so. And the desert too. Yeah. Oh, the desert gets snow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, and okay. uh, um, yeah, and you get brutally cold as well. Fierce winds, especially. Yeah, that can make everything much more brutal. So I'm gonna have a little bit of uh, some Baker Seven, uh, that the Knights of Columbus at my local. They they did a whiskey tasting, which I I helped organize, and they gave me some of the leftovers. So. I'd like to shout out to our my local okay. St. Peter's Knights of Columbus and uh, right. thank them for the Baker 7. Good and deal. You're uh, you're a JD guy apparently. Well, I'm, well right now I'm sporting some Jim Bean double oak double barreled. Ooh, there yeah. you go. So, right in hand here. So I'm all, I'm all ready for you. It's first time I there drink during a during a show. So, so we'll see what comes out of this. Could be good. Could be better. There you go. So for our our friends in the pub who is Dr. Philip? Who is Dr. Philip? Well, that's a big question. You know, I've spent a lot of time in uh, character development. I've got a number of degrees in psychology, theology, philosophy, and um, my passion is human character development, which I got a doctorate in Rome on, well, papal teaching with respect to the formation of character. And so that was very transforming. And so for a while, I, I felt a mission, as, as Pius XI used to say, it was, it was very important that parents educate their children and and that we have clear principles for character formation within the church. And so at the time I felt a certain calling for a family institute, but then it morphed into men's ministry. And so it's very important for me to help men find their place. You know, it, it's no surprise to all of us that's becoming more and more of a concern. And I say that especially too, when we look at men in their twenties, you know, most of them are lost, they're very unnavigated. And they're raised so much in an egalitarian world now, they fail to understand their place and their position. The majority of young men in their early 20s, as, as I could tell, have no real aspiration to get married, which is a great crisis. They may have aspirations to have sex, but they don't have aspirations to get married and have a family. Okay, so that, that's very serious. But one of the things I'm developing now in my work is more and more of this concept, and I was challenged by this college professor about three years ago, to develop something a little more what's akin to what he would otherwise want me to call a Catholic patriarchy. 
Because I think what's happening is that even in the majority of, of good Catholic men, they get stuck in just thinking of themselves as fathers. What do I mean by that? Um, I think it's more important that we, we frame our mindset to be patriarchs, which is a step above fatherhood. So what happens is, I'm very concerned in the Catholic Church because if there's just talk of fatherhood, then it's just about one's family. And as the saying often goes, well, my job is to get me and my family to heaven. So it becomes a self-protected, insular, ghetto kind of world for the average man in raising his family in the faith, as opposed to a patriarch Wonder said he has a leadership role, not just in the family, but the community, the church, and the society at large. And so uh, my, my thinking is, too, if a man doesn't rise to that concept of patriarchy, then he doesn't really understand it's his place to make a difference in the world. I really believe if 10% of Catholic men got involved in the abortion fight, we can't eradicate it. But it's very, very difficult to get good, conscientious Catholic men out there in front of an abortion clinic or treating, you know, the, the situations of their school boards or the, their, their local um, uh, civic meetings and whatnot. So we're finding the sad thing is it's women who are taking these roles now, which we men should be assuming them for the protection of our societies and our communities and whatnot. And um, so I'm very, very concerned that men aren't standing up. But I find that that word patriarchy is somewhat emboldens. You know, patri patria and arche. You know, the patria, we have the father in there, but the arche means the leader, the principle, and, um, yeah, uh, the, the foundation. And so it's a stronger, more robust word. Yeah, and a lot of what you've, you're talking about, a God Squad we saw as uh, 25 years ago as police officers on the street, and that's why we started the men's ministry uh, of doing conferences and challenging men, but you're you're talking about language that it, aren't we supposed to be ripping down the patriarchy? And <laughs> great question, great question. Do you realize? I mean, from what I can tell, yeah, patriarchy or patriarch, but definitely patriarchy. That 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 sounds that substantive sounds very threatening. One of the difficulties is, as I see this, is that. Patriarchy is probably the most hated word in the English language. Yes. I did some research recently. There are, I have book covers, get this, where there are 10, no, excuse me, I have 12 book covers where in the title or subtitle says Hex the Patriarchy. So witchcraft wants to take out this term. Okay, it's very important to witches that they take it out. And of course, they hate fatherhood and they hate fatherly leaders. They hate fatherly principles. They hate fatherly yeah, uh, uh, guides and men who stand up. And so if, if, the, if, if, if witchcraft, if the devil hates it the most, then guess what? We have to start lifting up, right? Amen, brother. I think it's just that simple. But what I find is, to, to my shock, you know, it wasn't until about three years ago I started working with uh, college-age guys. Usually, most of my ministry has been to middle-age guys. But I started talking to college-age guys and even high school young, young boys, and they come alive when I talk about the patriarchy. For the specific reason, for the specific reason, it get, finally gives them a certain identity and something to aim for. You just can't say, hey, we're all called to go to heaven someday, and so make sure you go to confession and read your catechism and just be a good boy and, oh, study virtue. You know, that's a big thing today. Not that I'm against that necessarily, but I find it I find those movements highly lacking because 
We don't, we don't embrace the patriarchal role, which in some way is to be a leader, a protector, and a provider. And men need to see themselves as archaes in those roles. And this is what women want too. They want st strong leaders, despite some saying otherwise. Deep down, women, especially if they're in a relationship, want a strong leader, a strong protector, and a strong provider. Deep down, that's exactly what they want. Well, and yes, and and I know so many beautiful young women that are are there waiting exactly. for these men, and yes. and you see them. They're they're volunteering at the churches. They're involved yes. in CCO or Focus, or because right. they want they want those kind of men, and we've been trying to reach down and encourage especially the young men, because uh, like you say, we don't want a bunch of gray haired guys like myself saying, I wish I'd done this. Yeah. We want young men saying, this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. And we've engaged in different types of ministry, barbecue outreach. And sure. I worked with youth at risk uh, yeah. through the police service for 10 years and, and just giving them those opportunities to, work on a barbecue or do something, be part of something. That's all they want is that invitation. And unfortunately we're too afraid to invite people to. That's true. And they just want, they want an invitation to something high and something noble. Yes. They just don't want an invitation uh, as to a means to go to heaven someday. That doesn't mean anything to your average young man. It just doesn't. No. It's gotta be something about a combat, about a battle, about a mission to be upheld and lived. And so the more we can make that more compelling and rich and substantive, you know, the more, um, I think more young men will come alive. So yeah, I've, I've, I've very grave concerns about the condition of the average Catholic man. And I'll tell you why I was counseling. There's a gal I know, in fact, I used to carry her in my arms when I was a young man uh, related, um, well, somewhat related to me, but through a family I know. And she, she and I sat down for coffee not too long and she's 27. She says, you know, I don't see myself ever marrying a Catholic man. Is a devout Catholic woman because she cannot find a good Catholic man. She believes she must go into the secular realm to find somebody manly. And she's not looking for devotion. She's looking for manliness. Yeah. Women will choose manliness over some devout Catholic man any day for the most part. And that's where you get, try to figure out why they go with the bad boys. It, exactly. yeah. you know the bikers and you're going why do they have women with them when there's all these good guys out there because they yeah. don't know how to show that manliness in a loving way exactly. and uh, and that's where we're trying different uh, outreaches up here this year we're going to uh, try and engage the young men uh, I don't know if you've heard of disc golf it's uh, it's huge especially amongst young men. Like if okay. you go out on the courses, 80% of the people playing are young men. Okay. So we figured meet them where they're at. Then exactly. we're getting, exactly. getting some discs made up with the uh, terror of demons, mirror of patience and uh, support and difficulties. So let, let me amp this up a bit, Sean, you're Irish, right? Uh, Irish has history. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we need, we need to start establishing what was the wisdom of the Irish in years past. 
the wisdom was that one of the ways they got so many good vocations and built stout and robust men is because they were all boxing in basements and in the seminaries. In my opinion, which I don't hold as, a, as just, a, uh, just a mild opinion or something, I hold this to be true opinion. If we can introduce boxing into our parishes and the seminaries today, that would be the one pragmatic thing we can do to actually restore Catholic manhood in the church. And I have you, an and I, you and I might have to sit down and have a long discussion because I think I see a lot of, of stuff that we can do together with the experience that I've had working with youth at risk. I work in high schools right now with, uh, I've got three high schools wow. and trying to find different ways to, I'm the police officer in three high schools. So you can imagine the stuff that goes on. Yeah. And luckily I'm in three Catholic high schools. So I'm able to incorporate the faith component when I'm dealing with the young men. Okay. Uh, I don't have to hold my tongue as it were. Sure. And like some of them, I have them, okay, I can give you this $250 ticket for fighting, or you can work on one of these programs on heroic men and come talk to me about it. Which why, don't you you like set up, do? why don't you set up a ring for them to take it out, take out their frustrations? Make sure they have mouthpieces. It's all they need. Gloves and mouthpieces. You, you are speaking. And by the way, let, let's be very, very clear about this. When I explain this to young women, they say, yes, yes, yes. When I speak about this to priests, they say, no, no, no. You decide. And by the way, we're talking about the secret of the Irish on how they populated this, this world with priests. My theory, it's all started to diminish once they took boxing out of the basements of, of churches and uh, the seminaries. There you go. And my... My granddad, who was, uh, well, he was in Glasgow, but he fought uh, in the Irish Army. And that was one of the things he did was he was a boxing champion in the Army with the Canadian forces uh, till he came back. Because it, it had a bad outcome at one of his boats where he he allegedly disabled a man so badly that uh, he quit boxing after that. But hmm. it, it was like my dad growing up, uh, if he came home that, to say that he lost, like he got in a fight, and the, the only question was, did you win? And yeah. if you didn't, get back out there till you do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not saying there were some extremes and approaches, okay? Yeah. But the incorporation of it helped men become men. Well, the problem, that's where, is, the problem is with most young men and most men today, they can't take a hit. They well, can't take one in the face. Sorry, they can't. Well, and and that's showing itself in all kinds of aspects in life right. where, like, I, I see it even in young police officers. They've never really been in a fight in their entire life where that until they get in one and... Uh, and it's it's stretching them, right? Yeah. Whereas you and I probably got involved in one or two school fights growing up, exactly, and, yeah. and and I've coached rugby oh, uh, cool. off and on for a number of years because I think it's the ultimate sport <laughs> for. I for, do in terms of a T sport and formation and 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 the visceral visceral development in it. Yeah, it's a superior yeah. sport. 
Yeah, Allman should be playing rugby. Allman should be boxing. <laughs> it, it's it's like you hear a lot of swearing and stuff in different sports, and whereas my guys, if you swore, you're doing push-ups, set-ups, whatever, because I say if you can't control what your tongue, how are you going to control your play on the on the field and and not take stupid penalties and all this other stuff? So it, it, it's it's that character development that you're talking about, yeah. that manliness, that warrior, like. Police officers, we very much get into that warrior mentality. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, I just think it's it's very important preparation. I mean, let's be honest. Till about 150, 200 years ago, every man knew how to wield a sword or a stick to death. You know, I mean, yeah. men used to be men. And the combat arts are, I I believe, the most formative, the formative uh, for for the best formative avenue for character development there is. And, far, and, far more than sports. Far more than rugby. A man's got to stand in the ring, and he's got to stand alone. And he's got to be willing to take it in the face. He's got to be willing to take one in the face and not fear it coming. And this is the problem. Men don't want to stand alone. They want to be alone. They don't want to, they don't want to face the music on their own. And that makes us less of men. Well, and, and that's where the question of where to dive in. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of Dr. Leonard sacks where he talks about boys adrift and stuff okay. where the, I've got epidemic, this, yeah. the, the epidemic of boys living in their basement mama's basement and and where the women are now taking many of the careers whether it's lawyer doctor or stuff and and the young men are are just dropping out of university yeah they're working on, at starbucks and pizza hut yeah. yeah and the women are in law offices yeah i know the story so where where to dive in and that's that's been one of the the great questions do you deal with the dads do you deal with the 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 catch the boys when they're younger do you reach out to them in their early 20s like where where's the jump in point uh that's a good point that's a good point and uh yeah where do you start with all this well i think i think one of the things i'm finding when i'm starting to reach out more to guys who are let's just say between the ages of 28 to 42 usually most of my mystery to be to get a guy's a little bit older but a guy 28 to 42 he wants care he wants some development and he's hungry for it and he wants some solid catholic teaching behind it so and there's something about the 50 60 80 year plan i think to bringing the church back is that I don't think we can reform the seminaries or the clergy. It's got to be done through young through young fathers forming their boys who enter the seminaries and make a transformation in the church. But I mean, you know, but we need to deal with these at all levels. But the most important one of the one of the vital elements here, though, Sean, be very clear in all of these. So, you know, even even some of what are considered very good seminaries, they may talk a lot about character formation, but they never define the character they want to form. Nor do they ever go into the particulars of how they're to form a certain vision that they have. None of them have it. None. And so there's no existing, how would I say, um, proposal out there on what it means to form a man in a priest. That I believe is one of the greatest crises in the church. Okay, there's just a lot of virtue talk and prayer talk and all the rest. But there's no solid vision of manliness given to the priest. And, if, and it's going to be very otherwise very difficult if that's not in the seminaries and the priests are forming. They're not going to see that vision or, or that, that dynamic as what they should be forming in men in their parishes. And so this is, this is what I 
This is one of the reasons why I think uh, the seminaries are gravely lacking. They have no vision, no vision of what it is to form a man and a priest. At least, at least if they had it, it should be enunciated and spelled out. And it's not anywhere. Well, I'll talk to Father Cristino, our, uh, our uh, youth. He's our diocesan uh, formation director for for young priests. So, Good. and he's also started the Saint Francis Xavier Chaplaincy Program, just to try and reach young people as a whole, creating that window to be part of the church for those young professionals that you or university students so they feel that they're welcome and and it's their community so he's he's trying to do some stuff up here that i think is is really good is he forming the men and women together or is he taking the men on their own and forming them the men on their own and forming them so he's got a different formation for the men and and the chaplaincy is is just a component of of trying to engage younger people because you want to invite the young men to participate. And that's where one of, uh, I'm not knocking the ladies serving in the church. They, they do a great job, but we need men to step up so young men can see them. Like our altar servers in many churches are all females. Cause I get it. I get it. We, we we need we need that example young men want to be with older men and they want to learn how to do things and yeah, that's and they why. want to work they want to work with men only yeah and so when you lose that dynamic what it is to galvanize the men together you've kind of lost that battle once you make you know we got to remember the young men today are 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 embraced in a kind of environment of androgyny it's men and women always together and most yeah. young, young men can't even see the differences between the two. And well, very expensive if you ever bring that subject up. Well, and, and that goes back to that point of, of that tearing down of the patriarchy that some organizations, that's their sole goal, right? Uh, and they use it uh, with different titles. Exactly. And uh, and it very much has infiltrated much of our, our schools uh, yeah. where... You know, uh, Dr. Leonard Sachs talks about where boys will draw a picture of of a war and guys shooting each other. And But Sally drew a really nice picture of all these animals with great colors. And, you know, why can't you be more like Sally? Yeah. <laughs> and where they're, they're wired, for the most part, differently. Like my, my grandson's... They came out of the womb wrestling, I think. Like yeah. it's, it you you'd uh, you'd like never, to see my grandsons in action. So good. never never take their weapons away. <laughs> well, they have, they have, they have every everyone has Second Amendment right, as we say here in the states. Even a young boy. Yeah, we're we're in Canada. We 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 don't have the Second Amendment right. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I digress. That's uh, it, it's it's something that. It goes back to that character, that responsibility, that duty that you talk about. So, yeah. and and that's building it. I've actually, I'm going to pull it down just a second. Oh, 
Well, nice. Is that a Gladius? It's Gladius, isn't it? So this is uh, this was a commemorative sword for the uh, 125th uh, police fire in Calgary. So, but when when it showed up, <laughs> I wanted to strap it onto my belt. I'm not lying, and go work the street with the sword because yeah. it, it, it's a it's a cool thing to have and and uh, my my son's taking a drama program where he's actually learned sword fighting. So no, that's good. You know, sword fighting is actually something primal in a man's nature. And, um, w one of the things that that's fascinating about sword fighting, if you, if you fence for 30 minutes, three times a week, you can, you will live into your nineties. There's something about the perfection of wielding a sword that keeps one in the best shape ever. I'm not sure if you've ever fought with a sword. I have, I've used French foil. And oh, really? And barely learned medieval longsword. It's the most grueling and the most exhausting thing you could ever do. Oh, yeah. So so the art of sword fighting, I think, has many good objectives. One learns strategy. And, I, again, I think it's very primal to learn how to use a sword. But at the same time, it's a, it is a superior form of exercise. I might have to uh, try that after I, I've taken up the disc golf because of the challenge of, of walking and and. And they're some of them are pretty good terrains that you're in. So, and and that's that's the thing is is finding what I call the hook. So working yeah. with young men, what's their hook? Is it basketball? Is it football? Is it chess? What what is the hook for you to engage that young person? It's simple. I can tell you how to fill a basketball. Um, Stay even no time. All you have to do is get two priests duking it out with boxing gloves. Everybody, every man will show up. Oh, I, I have no doubt about that. So if you want to make a difference in these men's lives, you get some priests who have a little moxie in them to put on some gloves and a mouthpiece and get out there, sell tickets for 10 bucks a piece, make some money while you're at it, and actually entertain these guys. All right, I will keep that. Good to find two priests to do that. I get that, but yeah, so, that'll get that'll get them there. Well, I've got a couple of uh, guys in mind that w might be open to it. So uh, you watch, you watch, you'll fill, you'll fill us. Well, not a, you'll fill a complete basketball. Yeah. Sport. Well, uh, I'm hoping to do the chief superintendent for the Catholic school board soon. I'll I'll run some of these ideas past. No. <laughs> see, see how well they they hold. Yeah. So uh, will those fly? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I'd I'd gladly do some of this stuff. I've talked about it. Uh, rather than them having the battles out in the parking lot where they bring other friends and nobody is nobody fights man to man anymore. It's like cool. it's not. It's it's I'll I'll get my four friends when you're by yourself. Yeah, like it, it's this gang mentality versus it's never one-on-one -on -one. Yeah. it's never that man-on-man because -man, they're they're too afraid is what it is they're afraid right. of of their limitations or they're they're afraid it, right. it's fear is the big thing i think you're right that a lot of these young men are dealing with that's right in the natural order in the natural order a man overcomes fear by engaging those things which he develops a certain courage through and a boxing glove is one of the best things to conquer that natural fear of physical contact. I know of no better. Wow. All right. I've, I've got some food for thought. Uh, speaking of food, 
Sounds good. Is there, like we, we talk about faith, family, food, and fun here. So is there a dish that uh, is your favorite to prepare? Or You know, it's interesting. I, I make a certain chicken soup where I... I throw the bones back in, so I make a very rich bone broth. I even throw chicken feet in there and boil that up. And, yeah, so I make a very rich chicken bone broth. And I find that, for myself, it's the most healthiest thing I've found myself to eat. I feel the best after I eat that. There you go. Yeah. And and it's one of those ancient cures that seems to uh, help the common cold and and everything else, right? I think you're right. So... One of uh, one of the segments is as we've talked about the young men struggling. What advice do you give your eighteen-year-old self? Your eighteen-year-old self, wow, you know, do 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 things which are maybe adventurous. So I mean, some men, especially if they're not led, right, they need to start engaging in things which lead them to some kind of venture because adventure will help grow in courage. So one of the problems is all men, you know, they need to be. Well, they need to get away from all their devices, right? And they need to be out there in nature, but they need to start doing adventurous things. Now, of course, I'm really big for the martial arts. I mean, anything is better than nothing. However, of course, I'm not really for men sparring with women, or, and that's very hard to find. That's one of the reasons why boxing is a superior sport, because a lot of boxing clubs, usually you'll find for the most part, are just men. It's one of the reasons why I abdicate them instead of Eastern martial arts and whatnot. But boys need to start getting engaged in rough things. Things which are rough, things which are rugged. So any kind of climbing activities, anything which uh, involves a certain rigor, uh, physicality. You know, men, I think, you know, I mean, young, young men too, you know, there's no reason why they can't be involved, you know, in certain things like uh, basketball or, you know, engaging in some of these adult leagues of flag football or whatnot. But I, I believe a man can never come into his own, especially a young man, unless he is not working his body well. Because you cannot have a well-adjusted, well-integrated man of spirit and soul unless his body is not integrated in that. It does not happen. And if it does, the man will be dissociated in things of soul and things of body. In other words, they won't mutually connect. Okay. So this is why it's, it's, it's very important when training a young man too and leading him to Christ, you must integrate uh, physical activities as well. Yeah, I'm very, very big on that. And of course, I would imagine too... You know, for centuries in Europe, we had what was called the flos duellatorum, the, the flowering of the burgeoning of battle, where boys, you know, as they were raised in the church and whatnot during the early Middle Ages and beyond, you know, they, they went through rigorous training. And, you know, first there was boys, they were wrestling, and then they were boxing, and then they used, you know, many of, of different types of arms and whatnot. So, so martial arts development should be something a little more sophisticated. And um, because there's so many things that help develop a boy. I mean, he needs to learn how to wrestle. He needs to learn how to box. He needs to understand projectiles. He needs to understand how to learn a sword. Every young man has a desire to learn all these things. Everyone. And so it's incumbent upon us to train him in that. If anything, for his dexterity and his skill, helps him to go encourage. And I'm sure what would happen in the flows to all term, I've never seen any manuals on this. But boys were actually taught the principles of the faith through the boxing glove, through the wrestling, through the sword, especially through the sword, right? And that's one of the reasons why St. Paul uses that kind of imagery. He knows it's important to use images of war when teaching men. He gets that. And that's why it's, it's very vital for us today to do that. But also, too, let me to, to add, I think it's very important. 
is that we must do what Jesus did. Jesus never addressed men and women together. He addressed men and women were present, okay? And they heard, that's when we hear of speaking crowds, they talk about the 5,000 men or the 7,000 or whatnot. If priests, again, aren't addressing men directly like Christ did, we can't win our church back. It's not going to happen. And we bought into this androgynous style of teaching in the churches of where all the homilies, all the lessons, all the spirituality is in some mixed androgynous modality, and it always defa defaults into something feminine. Well, and you, it, that's interesting because... When we were first trying to get permission to do our, our first God Squad men's conference, because nothing like that had ever been done. We're talking okay. 1998, uh, and even today, I phoned around to diocese about men's ministry, and it's like I'm speaking a foreign language. Yeah. But uh, the the one priest that spoke up at the priest council was... Yeah. And he talked about, we, we need this to curb the feminization of the church. Because it's, it's very much what you talk about. And that's, that's the whole world right now, right? Yeah. Is we need to cr create feminized boys. Yeah. But that's not what the women are looking for that's right. when they're looking for a mate, right? They're, yeah. they're looking so. So one of the other segments that I do is Jeff talk, Jeff Cavins talks about riding with your posse, your go-to saints. Who who are the who are the saints that that mean the most to you or what you walk with? That's a good question. You know, uh, I dedicate most of my men's ministry to Padre Pio. I had the fortune of being in his canonization and his beatification uh, in Rome, so that was pretty profound. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, maybe I have so many patrons. Uh, and I think it, I think it is very important. You know, it's interesting too. I uh, okay now the feminine side of me is coming out. Okay, I have this devotion to Saint Teresa of Lisieux, or rather, I would like to think otherwise. She has a devotion to me because she keeps showing up in my life. Now, one of the things I do that that in some way I try to teach men is that you know whenever I mess up, Sean, in kind of like relationship, or I get myself in a bind. You know, if I try to fit try to fix it, it's just going to make things worse. I just say, St. Therese, you got to handle this. You got to take care of it. All the more so if it's an issue with a woman, okay? St. Therese, this is in your hands. I surrender it to you, and I trust that you will take care of it, and I let it go. I, I, the burden of my heart, I, I take it away, not that I want to dismiss it, but it's important to consecrate and dedicate certain avenues of one's life and bearing you know, to, to the saints in that way. You know, so every man needs to, to, you know, dedicate his household to the to the guardian angel of his household. You know, we too need to be saying pray, uh, saints. You know, I close my rosary always invoking, you know, the angel of the United States. And of course, it's it's very very important because we need to be we need to be invoking <coughs> the intercession of these saints and these angels, especially all the more so for which domain they already have. And so it's very important <coughs> if a man's in communications, you know, that he dedicate everything he does to Maximilian Kolbe or uh, who's the other one? Francis de Sales, who's, I think, another patriot of communications. So it's very important, too. But, but it's important, too, 
Not that we see the saints as people who help us out and meet our, meet our needs and help us gain some freaking flyer miles. We must always see the saints in light of a relationship we have with them. Otherwise, you know, we can use our faith in too much of a self-absorbed way. And that I don't think is ever pleasing to God. And so I think in general, <coughs> in general, in the spiritual life, we need to invoke God in the things of God, not for ourselves, but always so that we can look more like him and others can be transformed in him. Sometimes in our faith, we make it so much about ourselves and how God and his saints and all the rest can bless them other can benefit us rather than how can we be transformed in Christ to be the light of the world instead of having our needs met. So as much as I may talk about having the needs met in the saints, I think it's important that we invoke that. It should always be in light of, a, of, of an intimate relationship that we have with these saints. It should all come down to that intimacy and relationship. Amen to that. That uh, One of the things that I, I read uh, a few years ago that just really stuck with me is is as you can tell saint joseph's a big guy here in in my house and uh, uh patron just, of canada right yeah uh so being the a apparition of saint joseph is my guy and as telling father jonathan saint michael's another big one because he's patron saint of police officers so that's right so that's for, right. i've for, heard that yeah yeah so just walking with them and they're not there like you say to serve you it sounds like you need uh, a little bit of your, yeah, maybe your uh, jim beam uh, so i don't know if you know but the gaelic word for whiskey the origin of whiskey is called ishkabaha which means water of life and my prayer is that you continue to Lead many souls to the true water of life. Well, and I want you. to thank, thank you for you, taking God. time out of your day. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed this. Appreciate it very much. And I will stop the recording. I hope you are enjoying this content. Please like and subscribe. Share with a friend. Also, Go to godsquad.ca where you can pray with us and for us and consider donating so that we can continue our mission reaching men wherever they're at.